Hey guys, it's Heather. You're listening to our Sermon of the Week. This week's sermon is Draw Near and Enter In. Enjoy this message. We, uh, we started talking last week uh, about this month, the month of Av, and that this month, Hebraically, was a month when Israel was poised at the Promised Land to go and enter in, but they didn't. And uh, this is historical, all the results that came from that. And it led us over to the book of James. And if you've not read, read, read your Bible recently, Book of James is a great book. Just read it. It's powerful. I love it because it's applicable. You know, it says stuff like this. The first book of James, James 1 talks about uh, something on these lines. Don't Just count it joy when you're in trials, knowing that if God's not working for you, he's working in you. That's kind of that synopsis of James 1. Just a great, man, that's just an encouraging. Then he slips over in James 2 says something like this. You, you, you tell me about your faith with your words, I'll show you my faith with my actions. And then it really spurs us on to action. I like that. Then it flips over to James 3, and he starts playing hardball where he says, watch your tongue. Touch three people say, you need to read that chapter. <laughs> watch your tongue, right? He said, you got to be careful. He said, that small member can guide a big ship. So, you know, be careful with this thing. It's dangerous. Gives us a really good teaching on the tongue. And then you get in James 4, and then he starts, I mean, he just starts bringing the noise at James 4. He's writing to the church. Not to, not to the world. And he starts pinning this something like, hey, where's all these fights and wars and all this nonsense come from? Where's all this trouble coming from? It's not coming from outside. No, James preaching. He said, it's coming from inside. That's your own fleshly desires and your own stuff that's coming up inside of you. He said, the reason you don't have it, have it is because you don't ask. And the reason you ask and don't have it is because you're just asking to fulfill it on your lust." And your, and your earthly pleasures. Then you get serious talking about the church. He said, you adulterers and adulteresses. It's not like John the Baptist now. You adulterers. It just starts getting it. And says something like this. He said, draw near to God. God will draw near to you. Purify your hands, you sinners. And, and, uh, or wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourself in the sight of God, and God will lift you up or give you purpose. And then James 5 goes on and finishes with prayer. So you see this, but it's a great book to go home. Dust that old family Bible off and get that old baptism certificate out of the way and read that thing. Come on now. And I'm telling you, it's life-giving. And uh, today, well, I wanna, we, we started in James, and I want to finish up here as we're, as we're in this month because if I titled the message today, I'd say something like this, uh, enter in, kind of the title of the message, enter in, draw near to God. And uh, I hopefully in the next few moments we'll give you some information that will help you in your path of drawing near to God. Let's go back to the book of James and here's what it says in the uh, Amplified Version. It says, come close to God with a contrite heart and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your unfaithful hearts, you double-minded people. Be miserable and grieve and weep over your sin. Let your foolish laughter be turned to mourning and your reckless joy to gloom. Humble yourselves with an attitude of repentance and insignificance in the presence of the Lord. And He will exalt you. He will lift you up. He will give you purpose. He's writing to the church and not to the world. And if you have to admit that we as a church, we drift, don't we? We all drift. We, 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 we get excited about what God's doing. We start moving with God. But life itself tends to cause to move us away from mission, if you will. And by the way, I need to get this message to somebody. Everybody here has got a mission. 
God sent you to earth with a mission. God sent you here with a purpose. And God is wanting to move us to fulfill His purposes and His plans. And He begins to give us this message about draw near to God and and God will draw near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. What's that mean? Your hands, that's your deeds. That's your actions. That's, you know, that's your work for the Lord. Your hearts, that's your attitude. So your actions and your attitude. And then humble yourself in God's presence. See your own insignificance. And then God will lift you up. And, and interesting enough, he says, be sorry for your sin. Let your laughter be turned to sorrow for a little bit and let your joy uh, uh, be moved into mourning. And he's not talking about this place of repentance that, oh God, I'm so sorry, because God's already forgiven your sin. Your sin's not making God angry. Your sin is affecting everybody around you. Sin doesn't affect God's attitude towards you. It just affects your life and everybody around you. So your sin, the reason we're supposed to be sorrowful for sin is because the world, my world, my sin affects my world. It affects me, my family, my associates, my, my, my business, my career, my job. Sin affects my life. It doesn't affect God's attitude. God's already forgiven you through Christ. It's, 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 your sin is making, I'll put it like this, your sin doesn't make God miserable, it makes everybody around you miserable. So touch your neighbor, would you, would you just tell them, say, would you get things right? I'm about tired of being around your sin. Tell them, would you get things, just get things sorted out, will you? I'm about, you're, touch somebody, say, your sin's really affecting me. Would you get that sorted out? What's interesting, I find, and this is kind of where I want to kind of take us along this point because that is powerful if we just stop there probably. But he said, draw nigh to God, God will draw nigh to you. You can have as much of God as you want. God's very accessible to us. Draw near to God, God will draw near to you. I'd like to say it like this. I'm afraid we're, let me put it this way. We're um, way too acquainted with a God we barely know. Or, what, or maybe I should say way too familiar with a God we barely know. Isaiah 23 says it like this, or 29 says it like this. Then the Lord said, because this nation approaches me only with their words and honors me only with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me, and their reverence for me is a tradition that is learned by rote without any regard for its meaning. And I'm afraid in the Western church, that we have become very re- a very religious culture. And we know what to say and how to say it, and we know how to act religious as a, as a nation, I'm talking about. But many of us are doing that from religious road, and we really don't have a relationship with God. That's why, unfortunately, when people ask me, are you a Christian, I'm slow to respond because I, I want to say yes, but then I don't want to be labeled with most Christians I know. So I want to say more of I'm a follower of Christ to distinct the fact of no, I'm not the Christian of our nation. I'm actually a follower of Jesus, which is different most of the time. Because a lot of our nation knows how to do religious things, but they're seldom that true heart change 
and that true relationship, the question simply is, do you know God? Do you really know God or, or do you just know about God? Or, or about God things? Or do you really know God? Do you really know God in your personal life and have you drawn near to God and God drawn near to you? And can you really say you've got a strong, vibrant relationship with God? Not with church. Not with the preacher. Not with, you know, but, but with God. See, and it's not all of our fault because of what we heard preach. Because people preach eternal life in the Western culture. And the most, what, most of what we hear about eternal life is you know, say a prayer so you don't go to hell and you can go to heaven and now thank God you've got eternal life. But that's not really the definition of eternal life. John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life that you may, that this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. God destined every person here because of the work of the cross to get to know God. So touch three or four or five people and say, you're going to know him strongly. Tell them, you're going to know him strongly. Now you say, why is that important? Because I believe we're living in a time in a society, you need to know God. I asked my wife and I were talking the other day, how do people live without knowing God? How do you live without being able to depend on God and trust God and, and, and know God is going to help you and move, move, and move, move in you and through you? And, and I'm afraid we've, we've, we've drawn too many people to church and religion and even Christianity and not drawn people to God. Uh, by the way, side note, don't worry about North Korea. Touch three people say, be at peace about North Korea. And may I tell you why? Because I've been there. I've been to South Korea, and I've been there several times to a church called the Yoido Full Gospel Church who has a million members. And they have a place called Prayer Mountain that's on the border of North Korea. And 10,000, 10, minimal, 10,000 South Korean Holy Ghost believers are on Prayer Mountain seven days a week, 365 days a year, hands stretched toward North Korea saying, no way, you're not going to destroy the world. The blood of Jesus is against any work of the enemy, and we've got you locked down in Jesus' name. So if you're losing sleep about North Korea, switch your anxiety to something else because you ain't got to worry about that no more. Now, what's powerful about this church is it's a praying church. I've been there on that mountain. And on that mountain, there's a grotto. They call grotto, which is a little concrete building, three foot by three foot, in the side of the mountain with a mat and a candle. Called a grotto, prayer grotto. So when you go to that church of a million members with 100,000 leaders, 100,000 houses of light leaders and hundreds of staff members and you ask them for counseling, their question is, have you been to Prayer Mountain? So if you go say, I need marriage counseling, they say, oh, fine, have you been to Prayer Mountain? No. Well, you go to Prayer Mountain for two days and you get in one of those grottos with that candle and your Bible 
and you ask God about your situation, and if God doesn't talk to you, then you come back and we'll counsel you and see if we can help you through this situation. And most of the time, these people come back and they're like, oh, we don't need you. God spoke to us and gave us the solution to our problem. And you see, I'm afraid that in the Western society, we've exchanged the cross for a couch. That we want to counsel everybody through their situations instead of them just getting a hold of God and knowing, uh, you know, I, like, you know, people come and say, I can't stay married anymore. I can't take this anymore. Well, instead of getting rid of the marriage, why don't you just get rid of this? <laughs> I can't take this anymore. Well, just get rid of this and stay married. And by the way, marriage isn't even a good idea. <laughs> I mean, man couldn't have thought of that because it's a terrible idea for a man to try to live with a woman and a woman try to live with a man. That's just a terrible idea. I'm just telling you. I mean, in the book, men are, what is it? Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Why do you even read the book? The title's enough. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, so it's not a good idea, but it's a God idea. So if it's God's idea, then God should be able to help you navigate it. So my point is, we, I'm, what I'm trying to make clear is wash your hands, your sinners, purify your hearts. In other words, he just said, you can't be a friend of the world and be a friend with God. Quit trying to do it the worldly way. If you want to follow God, do it God's way. And so that's the kind of the, 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 the thrust of the message. And so draw near to God and God will draw near to you. It's a pattern. Wash your hands, cleanse your heart, humble yourself. It's a pattern all throughout Scripture. It's found in Hebrews 10 that says, uh, Now because of the blood of Jesus, come with your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and your bodies washed with pure water. I believe it's Psalm 26 that says, Who shall approach the hill of the Lord? Who shall come to the holy place? He who had clean hands and a pure heart. He has, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pattern. Wash, cleanse, hum, humility. It's a pathway to draw near to God. And so I'm hoping in the next few moments that, because I, you know, we hear so many ought to sermons and not enough how to sermons. And ought to, we ought to wash our hands, cleanse our hearts, humble ourselves, and draw near to God. That's the ought to. But how to? How do we draw near to God? How do we move and draw near to God so that we all have this relationship with God? I'm glad you asked me. I need some help. Uh, Dan, could you help me again? Uh, can I get a couple of chairs again, please? I just I like a little, a little illustration, if that's okay. And uh, in all reverence, uh, I'm going to show you something. Dan's going to be God. So, <laughs> so pull your pull your seat on up here, and just just sit down. Put a chair, put a chair chair set by there. If you can track with me just a minute, because this is important. There's, there's a pattern in the scripture of drawing near to God. In Hebrews, uh, I believe it's chapter um, 10, says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness, somebody say boldness, to enter the holiest, that's where Dan's sitting, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Somebody say draw near. 
draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts, there you go, sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. There's that pattern again. And so if you can track with me just a minute, there was a tent in the Old Testament called the Tent of Moses or the Tent of Meeting, and it was a pattern. It wasn't just a tent, and it's not just the Old Testament. It's a spiritual pattern for drawing near to God. Let me see if I can walk you through that. You'll see the way it was built. There's lots of details I could go into it with you that are very significant, but for the simplicity of today's message, we just want to share this with you. There was, there was six pieces of furniture in this tabernacle all had to do with drawing near to God. Back up just a minute, please, to the, to the previous slide. There we go, sorry. That first, you walk through the door, there's a brazen altar. There's a laver where we, you would wash. You go through the curtain there, and then on the left side, there's a um, lampstand. You see that lit up. Right side, there's a table of showbread. Then there's an altar of incense, and then there's the holy place. This is where God lived. Now, we, we all know this, right? Like God is with you, right? God is, God is around. God is here. God is with you. God is present with me. I will never leave you nor forsake me. The problem is not, is God with you? Are you aware? It's not, is God with you? Are you aware that he's with you? And are you living with that awareness? Jacob woke up one time from sleep, and he said, God was in a place, and I didn't even know he was here. See, there's a realm, that when, hence the message, entering in. God is spirit. And to worship him, you've got to worship him in spirit and truth. And there is a spirit realm in which God lives. And so if you want to be around God, seldom does he invade your world. It's actually you're supposed to invade his world. And so that's when we enter into the presence of God and, we, and then we begin to know God on our own because we encounter God in our own life. Now, the good news is Jesus Christ made all of this possible. Uh, James Patio, would you help me? Because you're sharp and handsome and remind me of Jesus. So, Dan, all respects God and what a team. And James is Jesus. Come on over here with me. You still tracking with me? Jesus came to earth not just to forgive your sins and my sins. He came to earth to show you the way to the Father. Right? So here's what's interesting. If we can go back to the uh, tabernacle. Just stand here, Jesus. Here's what's interesting. You see there's a door. And it goes into the uh, brazen altar, to the laver, to a curtain, to the lampstand, to the bread, to a veil, and to an incense place, altar of incense. Do you know what the name of this outside door is in Hebrew? It's called the way. Do you know what, do you know what the name of this curtain is with the five pillars? Back up one, please. You know what the name of that curtain is with that five pillars? You know what the name is in Hebrew? Truth. Do you know what going into the tabernacle? Do you know what that veil is that separates the holy of holies from the holy place? You know what it's called in the Hebrew? Life. 
Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You get to the Father through me. Come on, somebody. So Jesus, watch this, comes and fulfills all of this, giving us the access we need. The Bible says, before the blood was spilled, we were without God, foreigners, strangers to the covenant promises of God, but now we have been made near by the blood of Jesus. So now Jesus comes on the outside at the altar and was sacrificed for our sins in the interesting outside the holy place. That's why in Hebrews it says Jesus died outside the camp. Why? He wanted to make the message clear. You never have to get holy enough to get to him. He'll come get you right there where you are. Come on, somebody. You don't have to go fighting him. He come looking for you. He come outside. The gospel's not exclusive. It's inclusive. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. Jesus stepped outside the camp to come get us. Psalm 23 says his goodness and mercy will hunt you down all the days of your life. Right? He became our sacrifice. Y'all know that. But then you step to the laver. He is living water. He he says if you drink of this water, you won't ever ever thirst again. He says something like this. It'll become in you a river, a fountain of living water coming up on the inside of you that will continually wash you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He is the lampstand. Isaiah 11, 1, there shall be a rod that comes, a branch of Jesse. There will be a rod that comes out of, I think it's Isaiah 11, 1 and 2, and on him will be the seven spirits of God. Spirit of counsel and might, wisdom and understanding, knowledge in the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. That Jesus came to illuminate the earth to show us how to live as a human being illuminated with the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't come as God to show you how to be God. He came as a human to show you how to live as a human with God, illuminating you from the inside and letting your light shine bright. He is, over here to the table, He is the bread of life. Come on, somebody. His body was broken for us. Then you get to the altar of the incense. He is the sweet-smelling aroma. He is the sacrifice that was well-pleasing unto God. He, and then what it says, when he died and his flesh was torn, the veil was rent in two, not from bottom to the top, but from top to the bottom. It wasn't you trying to get in. It was God who had been waiting to get out the whole time so he could be in your life. Slip. That's right. And then he comes in, and it says he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Don't you love this? Hey, wait a minute now. And let me show let me let me share this scripture. Since therefore, Hebrews 4, since therefore it remains that some must no wrong one. Uh, yeah, you were right. I was wrong. <laughs> Seeing then that we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens. In other words, he's already cleared the way. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. Somebody shout boldly. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Here's what blows my mind. These two are seated at the throne. But what separates judgment from grace 
is there's something called the mercy seat. And at the mercy seat, which is inside the Ark of the Covenant, you know what's inside it? The manna, rod that budded, table of commandments. All three speak of rebellion. Ten commandments, they built a golden calf. Rod that budded, rose up against the leadership. And God, God said, put the rod, Aaron's rod and the other rod's the one that buds. That's who I'm with. Manna, that's when God fed them with bread and they wanted chicken. Come on. All speaks of our rebellion and sinfulness in a box. God said, this is where I want to meet with you. In other words, what am I trying to say? Don't let your sin and rebellion cause you to run from God. Run to God. He's already got you covered. Woo! Come on, somebody. Touch three people and say, he's got you covered. Tell them, he's got you covered. And it was here where the blood was applied, and God said, this is where I want to meet with you. Now, you still with me? Here's what's exciting. In the Old Testament... Only one man was allowed in that place to fellowship with God. Not everybody was allowed. He didn't have access. Once a year, one man got to go in who was a high priest. And if he went in there with sin in his life, they would put a rope around his leg and bells around his rope, and they would listen for him. Because if he went in there and there was sin in his life, he would be struck dead. The smart priest stood outside. The ding ding stops. Huh? Mm, another one bites the dust. <laughs> another one bites the dust. Hey, hey. Pull the dead priest out. Come on. Here's the good news the Old Testament, you walked in alive and were drug out dead. The New Testament says you're dead already. Ephesians 2 said you are dead in your trespasses and sins, but He made you alive. In the Old Testament, you walk in alive, you're drug out dead. In the New Testament, Jesus drags you in dead and you walk out alive. Come on, somebody. Woo! Come on. So Jesus has already done everything. Seated at the right hand of God and is making intercession for you. He's not fighting against you. He's fighting for you. And it says he knows your weaknesses. He knows what you're going through. He knows your frailty. He knows what it's like to be addicted to drugs. He knows what it's like to have sexual temptations. He knows what it's like to be full of anger and, and unbelief and unforgiveness. He knows those weaknesses in us because he experienced them. We don't have a high priest who can't be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but he came to earth and humbled himself to, to go through everything we go through so that he could be a faithful and merciful high priest. So when you're out here struggling, when your identity saying, God, how could I approach you when you know I'm addicted to these drugs. Jesus is at the right hand interceding for you saying, Father, draw him in. I know exactly what he needs. He doesn't need to be isolated. He needs to be brought close. Bring him close to us, God. Bring him close to us, God. And whether you know it, the Holy Ghost is drawing you to Jesus. It ain't your prayers. It's Jesus' prayers that are drawing you. Come on now. I'm almost fired up. So when I'm talking about draw near to God, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded, humble yourselves in the presence of God. I'm not talking about a religious, legalistic, get right. 
I'm talking about a pathway. Because how many of you know you blow it every day? So I don't need to wash my hands one time. How many of you guys wash your hands at least once a day? Thank the Lord, huh? Come on, somebody. Thank the Lord. Why? You get dirty. Remember Jesus, he's going to wash it. Peter said, don't wash my feet. You ain't wash my feet. Jesus said, if you don't wash your feet, you ain't got no part. Why? Why feet? Because they wore sandals. Whew. Come on. Sandals. Dirty feet. Every day, wash. Multiple times a day. So it's not like, oh, I get saved and I'm washed. Right? It's a daily. So here's where I want to hopefully land with you and hopefully help, help me, hopefully help you. So this same pathway Jesus took to be in the presence of God, which we're drawing near to God, relationship with God, God, us all knowing God, Jesus has already made the way available for us, and now we, all we have to do is follow Jesus. So quick, here's what it looks like. Altar of sacrifice, laver, lampstand, showbread, incense. This is how we get to know God. Every day we wake up. Hopefully. And we, what's the first thing we do? First thing we do if we want to draw near to God is we go to the altar of sacrifice. What is that? I don't know about you, but when I wake up in the morning, my first thought isn't, Man, I want to serve God. My first thought is, I want some coffee. And if I really just let Kent lead and a cigarette, I'm saying if Kent was leading, a couple of Buddy Marys, a couple of soap operas, nice lunch, massage. Come on now. Why y'all look at me so religious? Like y'all get up every morning just like, I'm serving God. Let me. No, you're not. Wash your hands, you sinners. I'm just building the extreme. I'm not saying that's my first thought every day. I'm just saying, you follow me. Flesh. Whatever your flesh is. Bible says the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. I'm like you. Some mornings I wake up and I'm like, good morning, Lord. And then many mornings I wake up and go, good Lord, morning. <laughs> but I found if after I do get some coffee and get woke up, if I will go to the altar of sacrifice and begin to do what? Not sacrifice, because Jesus has already sacrificed for me and made the way. But what is my sacrifice? My Bible says it's my lips giving thanks, offering a sacrifice of praise. Come on, somebody. And so in other words, no matter how I feel in the morning, if I will make a spiritual discipline out of it sometime before I get going, just take a couple of minutes and maybe lift my hands in my own house, not wait until Davey gets jumping on Sunday, but in my own house and say something like, God, I thank you for another day to live on the earth. I thank you for another day to get to serve you. I thank you, Lord, that I might not feel great right now, but as I go, I'll feel a little better as I go. Father, I thank you I'm in my right mind. Lord, I thank you that I woke up with something 
something to eat. Lord, I thank you I got a car to drive. Lord, I thank you that I got a good family. Lord, I thank you that I've got, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you that my sins are forgiven. Thank you that you've destroyed the devil and broke his yoke off. That's the sacrifice, that's the altar. The old flesh is on there just frying. But your spirit's coming alive. That's, that's the key. Now I'm not talking about an hour, two, three minutes. Just thinking. Then what happens? The labor. What's the labor? It's the word. James actually says the word's like a mirror. When I read it, I look and see who I'm supposed to be. And the problem is when I walk away from a mirror, I forget who I look like. So every day I got to get in here and let it remind me and wash me and renew my identity. The, the Ephesians says it will, you can wash yourself with the water of the Word. Come on. That He might sanctify, set apart, cleanse with the washing of the water of the Word. In other words, it cleanses my heart, my attitude. It cleanses me, getting me ready for the day of what I'm ever going to face. The Word of God is powerful. It's not some discipline or some law you got to keep. It, I'm telling you, it's life-giving. The words that Jesus spoke there are spirit and they are alive. It is living water for your soul that will wash you and cleanse you on a daily basis and it will wash over your life, preparing you, cleansing you with the right attitude. And I'm there again, I'm not talking about reading the whole Bible, I'm talking about 10 minutes in that book. Then what happens? It takes you to the illumination. It takes you to this lampstand. Because what will happen is as you're reading this thing and it's cleansing you, something will jump out at you. And now it becomes revelation. And now all of a sudden, it's not just a book anymore, it's speaking right to you. Last night before you went to bed, you had a big fight with your wife. Everybody's saying, God, he's so prophetic. <laughs> they were just like you were frozen, like, God, he knows a lot. <laughs> yeah, I wish y'all could have seen yourself. But you get up and sacrifice the praise. Come on. And all of a sudden, you're reading this book, washing yourself, and it says, and you just all of a sudden, for some crazy reason, you read a scripture that says something like this: "The only prayers that are un, that are the only prayers that are hindered are prayers that a man's praying when he's not right with his wife." And then you're like, "Holy, God is talking to me, illuminating me." And so now in this place of illumination and light, the Holy Spirit says, all you got to do is go tell her how stupid you are. Just go tell her how stupid you are and that you won't do it again and just repent. I'm like, no problem, but can she ever come tell me how stupid she is or why is it me just always having to go? Lord's like, no, because you're so much more stupid than she is. That's the way this works. I'm just using that as an illustration. I'm just saying, this Bible will talk to you. Maybe you're in a tough financial spot and all of a sudden you read a scripture that says something like this, give and it shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down. And now it's not Kent telling you to give. 
It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. It's illuminating you. You get you an instruction from the Lord. And now you obey that instruction. And as you obey that instruction, yet now you see the Lord show up. And now you develop a relationship with the Word. Everybody's like, I want a Word from God. You get in the Word and you'll get you a Word from God. Come on now. It happens to me all the time in the most wild ways. Just two days ago, I was reading the Word, washing myself with the Word, and I was reading the Deuteronomy. Who gets anything out of Deuteronomy? I'm reading Deuteronomy. It's like, <laughs> chances of getting something out of Deuteronomy is slim and none. Deuteronomy 10, 10, and I read, Moses was on the mountain 40 days. And bam, illumination went, boom, just hit me. I was like, oh, something about 40 days. Oh, something about 40 days. 40 something, 40 days, something happened 40 days. It's like I got illuminated. I got my, now what's awesome is when God talks, you can Google it. <laughs> so I grabbed my phone, I said, hey Siri, how many days between now and Rosh Hashanah? She talks with a British accent. Kent. It is 40 days from today to Rosh Hashanah. I'm like, Katalaboshi Kalahaya. And all of a sudden, God drops something in me about 40 days. Next thing you know, I get an email from Croatia from a pastor who says, Ken, have you ever thought about 40 days? I said, what's up with 40 days? He said, 40 days are the first 40 days of every gestation period when a child is born. The Hebraic thought is those 40 days, you're standing before God getting your mission. He said, that's where Psalm 139 is. When you was in your mother's womb, God wrote a book about you. He said, that's the first 40 days you're in your mother's womb. You get an instruction. He said, why is that important? He said, because every Rosh Hashanah, God is bringing you back to get you connected with your mission. All of that kind of stuff comes out of 10 minutes in the Word. You say, well, Kent's a special person. No, I'm a spy. I get to go in and come back and tell you what's available like some of these other people. Come on, somebody. Now, what does that do? What does that do? Now, this, ex this illumination takes you to the showbread, which is what? This is Romans 12. This is purpose. This is your body being given as a living sacrifice. This is a fresh submission. Why? Because I got sacrifice of praise going. I got washed in the Word. I got illuminated by the Holy Spirit. Now I'm willing to surrender my life to God again. Why? Because I've tasted and I've seen that He is good. And who doesn't want to submit their life to the... So I submit my life to God afresh, to God's purposes. Rome, what is this? Romans 12. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Jesus already, it's easy to die for Jesus. God's looking for somebody to live for Jesus. Jesus already died. He's looking for us to live. Lord, I present my body to you as a living sacrifice, which is, which is reasonable, right? Let me read it. Beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now you're the perfect will of God you're submitting your life to, and now you get to the altar of incense.
This is when you this is when all of a sudden a supernatural song comes up inside of you. This is what a lot of believers don't don't know. Is God's got a, almost got a song for you every day. That's your song. The Bible says it's a song of deliverance. And it's not something that you plan. It's supernatural. It'll come right up out of your spirit. And sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes it's secular. It's just God's got a song. There's a power. There's something in a song. Song causes demons to flee. Song causes you to enter the presence of God. This morning I got to this place in my prayer time. And uh, uh, what was it? And all of a sudden a song came out of nowhere. Word of God speak. Let it fall down like rain. Causing my eyes to see. Your majesty, be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God speak. And I'm in my own house. I ain't got no guitar. Getting jiggy with it. Word of God speak. Let it fall down like rain. <laughs> Bell's like, he's at it again. <laughs> but it's not always spiritual. Sometimes God speaks to you through secular songs. Two days ago, I got into God's presence and this secular song came to me. What is, let's see, it was uh, every move you make, every song you take. Every vow you break, every bump, 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 I'll be watching you. I was like, can't you see you belong to me? What a fool's heartbreak. And I know what the Lord was saying. The Lord saying, headed to Rosh Hashanah, I'm going to be looking. I'm looking to see who's ready to follow me. I'm looking to see who's ready to move. I'm looking to see who I can inscribe for a blessed year. The eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro through the whole earth, just looking for somebody that he can show himself strong on their behalf. That's your song. And when you release that song, it's powerful. It puts you in a place nothing else will put you. I know I'm cutting up with you, but I'm, I do, it's, I'm telling you, this is what I do. I'm not jigging, jagging with you. I'm telling you the truth. And I've told you a story before, but it's worth saying again because i got six minutes. And that is, this worship, I, the Lord showed me how powerful it was. Uh, my grandson, Preston, lives close by, and... Uh, I ran by, I got this little gator thing I drive around here. Now, whoop by, I was just going to say, hey, for five minutes. This is about a few months ago, so he's still little, barely talking. I walked in, and I was just going to say, hey, for like, I was busy, busy with many things to do. Say, hey, for two minutes and leave. Patted him on the head, and he looked at me and went. I was like, <laughs> So I pick him up. He kisses me right on the mouth and puts his little old arms around my neck and squeezes me. You know what I did? I went straight on the gator with him with me. We, for two hours, we rode all over this place. We looked at, everybody's calling me, blowing my phone up. I just, 
voicemail, voicemail. We saw things. I took him to see animals. We, I, his parents over right here. I got him an oatmeal cake. You know, and, and you know, we just <laughs> maybe two M and M's. And we were, you know, and we just whatever we wanted to do. I got back. I finally answered the phone. They said, "Where have you been?" I said, "I was tied up." <laughs> Dropped him off. As soon as I sat there by myself, the Holy Spirit said, "That's what I'm looking for." I said, what do you mean? He said, if people will just worship me and grab hold of me, I'll take them places they can never get on their own. I'll show them things they've never seen before. I'll let them taste of things they've never tasted before. I'm just looking for somebody to get to this place of surrender. And that leads you into that last place, that mercy seat, where you slide just deep into that presence of God. Now words aren't even necessary. Now it's spirit to spirit. This is Isaiah 40. Those who wait upon the Lord renew their strength. Mount up with wings like eagles. Run and not grow weary. Walk and not faint. You may have started 30 minutes ago out here figuring out how you're going to make it through the day. 30 minutes later, you get in the presence of God and you're like, what nation are you going to take next, Lord? What problem are you going to? Your problems don't go away. It just you see how big God is and you don't worry about him anymore. And now you start building this relationship with God. Have you ever walked in the woods? And when the first time you walked in the woods, you're kind of like trying to sometimes even take a machete with you or weed eater. If you ever tried to get through the woods, especially in the summertime, you have to create a path. I write about it in this book, I pray, called, uh, called The Path. It says his word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. So what happens is you, you'll cut a path. And this is what happens in the spirit world. If you'll do what I'm telling you to do, you'll carve you a path in the spirit world. Now here's what happens. If you walk it every day, that path stays clear. If you only visit so ever so often, it has time to grow back up. And I'm just telling you the way it is. You can create you a spiritual pathway that literally gets to the point that as soon as you go to your secret place. And may I just suggest everybody has a secret place. It could be your shower. It could be your back porch. It could be in the woods. It could be in the car. But you get you a secret place where you frequent and meet with God. You'll pioneer you a path to where literally you'll get to the place that before you can close your eyes and speak a word, he's there. And you're aware. And once you break through that awareness, it never leaves. I believe this is the life God's calling us to. I believe this is what God's calling us to draw. Now, and also, may I just go ahead and say, I got set free last week so we can celebrate that. I got set free from thinking, wait, well, don't celebrate too hard with me, but I mean, I got set. I got set free from thinking everybody wants to hear what I got to say. So I realized that my message isn't for everybody. And that's okay. That doesn't make you bad or me better or anything else. It's just okay. But there's no coincidence in the Hebraic thought, which tells me if you're here today, it's because you're hungry to hear the message I'm talking about. That's why you're here. Because God's speaking to you today about this message. There is no coincidence. You're here because God wants you to hear it. Now, you may not act on it today, but there's a seed going to get in you, and sooner or later, you're going to be doing what I'm talking to you about doing. You're going to be drawing near to God. And I'll leave you with this. 
I was in India preaching, and uh, there was a pastor there that told this story that so inspired me. Corey Tim Boone, I believe I got a slide. She said something like this. Don't pray when you feel like it. Have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. A man is powerful on his knees. A man is powerful on his knees. Pastor told this story and I thought it was amazing. He said there was a guy named Jim. And he would show up at the church every morning at 6 a.m. Walk in the sanctuary, stand in the middle of the sanctuary and say out loud, Hey Jesus, it's Jim. And didn't say anything else for 30 minutes. Believe. Next morning, 6 o'clock, walk in the sanctuary. Hey Jesus, it's Jim. Nothing else. 30 minutes, leave. Every day, like clockwork, 6 a.m., Jim, in the church, in the middle of the sanctuary. Hey, Jesus, it's Jim. Not another word. Custodial staff was like, who is this guy? It's Jim, right, yeah. He <laughs> Smarties over here. Like, who is it? It's Jim. He comes, he just says, it's Hey, Jesus, it's Jim. They're like, it's weird. It just doesn't say, doesn't pray. Just, just says Jesus out loud. Hey, Jesus, it's Jim. So the pastor says one morning he's on the way to his appointment with God at 6 a.m., and he has a car wreck. Injured pretty bad. So now, now he finds himself laying in the hospital, really banged up, no family there, all alone. And he looks down at his watch, and he thinks, I'm going to miss prayer today. A tear rolled down the side of his face. Closed his eyes, feeling sad, alone. All of a sudden, says he felt somebody touch his foot. And he looked up and it was a man that said, Hey, Jim, I'm Jesus. And his point was, don't just pray when you need God. Create you a path that you're in relationship with God. And when you need him, he will always be there for you right on time. Amen. Stand up with me, will you? I really believe this is the Holy Spirit talking to us. Because as a leader in the body of Christ, especially in the West, we, we have failed, I believe, the body of Christ in that we've drawn people to ourselves, which makes us feel good because you need us, pastors, leaders. We've drawn people to churches, entities, because it makes the church grow and people need the church. And I'm not saying that's totally negative. I just think it becomes negative when people start trusting the leader of the church instead of trusting God. And that people don't have a relationship themselves with God. And in this season, over these next, I'll talk to you about I'm going to try to do something Wednesday night on Facebook Live to because I just have, don't have enough time today to tell you all I want to tell you. But 
there's something significant to this season we're about to move in, especially 40 days, and I'll be talking to you about that. That this is the time of year to be very intuitive and listen for what God is saying. Because God will be talking this time of year like never before because He's wanting to bring you back to that place of purpose and mission. Why, why did God let you come to the earth? You know, one of that part of James says, humble yourselves in the presence of God that you may find purpose. And it goes on to say, actually place yourself as insignificant in the presence of God. And I'm all about self-worth and, you know, and wanting to feel good about ourselves. I think that's important, but I think that sometimes we can, we can get off track even with that when we don't realize that in reality, we're pretty insignificant in the big picture. You know, life's holy. We live on God's, we live on God's earth and we breathe His air. And He put us here. He let us come. Let us live on this earth because each and every one of us has a mission. While you were in your mother's womb, God wrote it down, planned what you would do, what you would fulfill, and how you would walk in the earth. But we all, don't we? I know we do. We get moved from that and we get focused on us instead of on God. It's, it's not, it's just human nature, isn't it? It's not totally negative. It's just, it gets, we get consumed. It's that whole good ground, bad ground, isn't it? One fell on good ground and the others was rocky and stony and you know that one thorny it's when the cares of life and the choke the word out and the uh, the shallowness of it causes it not to grow it's that stuff and so God brings us back around each and every time just to start speaking to us to say hey wash your hands purify your hearts humble yourself and in me you'll find a purpose you'll get back connected to mission then you'll start partnering with me. And God wants a relationship with you, not just so me and you can feel good about ourselves. He wants you to co-labor with Him. He's got something He wants you to do. He's got something He wants you to be. He's got somebody's lives you're supposed to touch. And this is what we'll find over this next journey in this fall feast. We'll all begin to reconnect with divine purpose and divine destiny. And it'll be a supernatural time in our life. But it begins with drawing out of God. And God will draw out of you. I just challenge you, if you will, over these next 40 days, set aside specific time. Try to keep it the same time if you can. Meet with God. Hopefully when you do, your mind will kind of play back today and you'll see that sacrifice of praise and the labor, which is the Word, and then the illumination of the Holy Spirit and then presenting your body as the bread, as a, as a living sacrifice, and then your song to the Lord and then just entering God's presence and letting it wash and heal and restore, renew and speak to you and lead you and guide you into your purpose and your destiny. So Father, we just thank you for that today. We open our hearts. We humble ourselves. We trust that you're moving in our lives in this season. God, I trust that everybody that's here today is supposed to hear this word. So we say now draw us by your Holy Spirit. Draw us to this place that we can encounter you and that we can, each and every one of us, develop this deep, meaningful relationship with you and begin to walk in our mission and fulfill our purpose in the earth. Father, we ask you for it. 
We thank you for it and we praise you for it. Lord, that in this season, you are drawing us by the Holy Spirit. You said something like this, I believe in Psalm 26. This is the generation that seeks the God of Jacob. Lord, let us seek you because you said in seeking you, we would find you. And when we find you, we find the blessing. And we find that place that you're calling us all into, that place of immense blessing so that you could bless us and we could be a blessing to those around us. So Lord, we wash our hands. We we purify our hearts. We allow the pain of our sin to cause us to run away from it and to run towards you and to humble our hearts and to find our purpose in you. Father, we ask you for it. We thank you for it. We praise you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, and everybody in agreement said, I hope you enjoyed this message. You can find us on Facebook at Word Alive International Outreach, on Instagram at Word Alive Church, and download our Wayo app. Have a great week.